Welcome to The John Chapman Show, where we talk about retirement readiness, strategies to help you grow and preserve your wealth so that you get the most from life with the money you do have. Are you on track? John is an employee of WorthPoint LLC. All opinions expressed by John and podcast guests are solely their own opinion and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of WorthPoint. This podcast should not be relied upon for investment decisions and is for informational purposes only. Have you ever worried about sharing the vision of your estate plan with your family or your children? Maybe you feel concerned about sharing how much you do or you don't have saved and invested. Or maybe you're concerned about private information becoming public to certain family members. Maybe you feel like if you share too much, it might discourage your children from working hard and and leave them with a feeling of entitlement. No doubt these are risky conversations. And yet there's also a large risk in having your children potentially fight over your estate after you're gone because of confusion or lack of clarity from you in your estate plan. So on today's episode, I talk with attorney Stephen Lewis at the Mitchell Weiler Law Corporation about the risks that can arise, especially from keeping your estate plan secret and what it might look like to create a process for not just developing an estate plan, but also appropriately sharing it with your children as all of you age. And so whether you have yet to establish an estate plan or you have one created and you're nervous about how to communicate it, This episode is going to be right for you. Be sure to leave a comment or a rating and share this episode with others. And with that, let's dive into today's episode. Stephen Lewis, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Doing great, John. Thanks for having me on. I am so excited to talk about estate planning. I know the audience is, Stephen, and I hope you are too, because uh, as an attorney that does business and estate planning, this is kind of your job, right? So I hope you're pumped up to talk about a heavy subject like this today. Every day. I love talking about it. Love helping people. And, uh, you know, it's important to acknowledge disclosure and maybe you can help me with this, but, you know, we're going to talk about some basic principles today, but everyone's situation is so unique. So I don't want to take, I want everyone to take what I'm saying, me, John, and what Steven's going to say with a grain of salt, because this isn't personalized advice, right? Brief disclaimer is simply everybody's facts are different and unique to themselves. And anything I say here, I I just, could change depending on every person's individual uh, situation. That's fair. That's fair. And so it's important to consult, you know, your own professional, your own financial advisor, your own attorney. So with, with that in mind, Stephen, I got a story to tell you. I want the audience to hear this. This goes back to 2013. I had a client named Marianne and her husband, Jerry passed away that year. It was the first year I met her. I had only met her husband very briefly once. And then unfortunately he passed away from a heart attack. 2013, she was, I mean, it was her husband for 40 years. So she was deeply troubled from it. It took her probably two years to work through grieving, then settling the estate, then managing all the finances and getting it, you know, simplified into her own name. And I worked through her, worked through that whole process with her. During that time, her elderly mother also passed away. Her mom passed away in 20 20- Oh man. And she was so distracted with her husband's passing that she didn't get to do much with her mom. And her younger sister actually did a lot more and like helped mom in her old age. So like she kind of delegated some of the responsibilities of settling her mom's estate to her younger sister because she was so busy with her husband's passing. Yeah. Fast forward three or four years, she just happened to find out her younger sister hid and stole $3 million of inheritance from her. And that started a legal battle that lasted for almost four years. 
eventually her younger sister filed bankruptcy. And so my client, Marianne, never saw that inheritance. So it gives me chills just thinking about it. Maybe this is a dramatic story, Stephen. So please tell me how rare or not are situations like these in estate planning? John, first, my heart just breaks for your client. That is such an unfortunate situation. And from a monetary standpoint, uh, I would say it's not common to see that. But from a situational standpoint, I see that all too often where mm. one sibling jumps in and takes charge and the other siblings left standing with nothing. Oh, so hard. So give us some perspective on this. How many years have you been involved in estate planning or probate law or things like that? Well, so I, in the middle of law school, discovered estate planning and thought it was so fascinating and have oriented my career since then. I, I graduated from law school in 2012, licensed in California and Washington state actually uh, shortly after that. And so I'd say I, I'm, you know, six or seven years out of probate estate business type planning. And can you give me an example of how you most often get involved with clients? Like where are they in their situation? Just some common examples of how you usually start working with people. Oh, that's a great question. For the individuals who are coming to me wanting to prepare for the future, planning their estate, usually their first time estate planning clients, they, they don't really know the process. So I get to walk through a variety of questions so they can think about what they want done after they're gone and how they want to plan when they're not in a position to care for themselves. And then the other common client that I get is after both parents are gone and a children or children are left trying to figure out how do we manage mom and dad's estate now. So I get to walk through the trust administration process with them. And then unfortunately I, I see the siblings that come to me and say, hey, brother or sister stole X amount. I don't think that's what mom and dad wanted. Help me. Mm. Mm. It's so hard to hear. Yeah. So how often is it that you see or you you hear something along the lines of a discrepancy where the siblings are saying one thing, but the trust documents are saying another? Oh, John, I, I get that a lot. I hear way too often, mom would have never wanted that, or that's not what dad told me was going to happen. And then I'm left talking to them and saying, look, I hear what you're saying, but that's not what the trust says. Yeah. That's not what the will says. The trust says that your sibling is supposed to be the trustee. And it's hard for the client to process. Yeah, yeah, that is. I think that's part of why I want to make sure that I had this conversation with you. And I feel like, you know, most folks that are working there in their mid-career or maybe their early retirement or whatever stage of life they're in, they've probably heard of getting an estate plan. But I think more often than not, people seem to assume that it's just for very wealthy people or you know, it has to be for like really large estates. But that's not necessarily the case, right? Like what's an example of a time or a situation that somebody should start thinking about getting an estate plan completed? Oh, right away, John. I mean, don't wait until you're nearing uh, retirement to do that. If for young newlyweds, you know, it might not be as important if you don't have kids or if you're just at the beginning stage of building your, your nest egg, your retirement. But when you have kids, it's so important that you start thinking about well, who would you want to take over for your children and care for your children if you both are gone. And having that estate plan set up, having life insurance set up, having a will, a basic will that will designate who the guardian is, that's so important for young families. Yeah. And for the kids, really, the, you know, the way I think of estate planning, it's two parts. You have 
before you're gone, how do you want to care for yourself and your, your family? Okay. And then after you've passed, you can care for your family by designating your wishes in clear express ways. Mm, that's good. That's good. Two mental modes to be thinking about because I think some people just assume, uh, maybe even I assume this, it's just, uh, you know, it's just in the frame of reference of like what happens when I die, but it can also be under the frame of reference of while I'm still living, because maybe I can get incapacitated or sick or not able to like deal with fares. Right. Absolutely. You know, I see a lot of seniors who are nearing the age of or nearing that stage in life where they are forgetful. They, they're not recognizing when bills are due. They have more healthcare needs and they're distracted by that. And so they need some assistance. It's so helpful if you have already established an estate plan that clearly sets forth who your agents are, who's going to act as a power of attorney for you, who's going to act as a healthcare agent for you and make mm. medical decisions if you get to a stage where you can't. Mm. And if, if you wait until the very last moment, if you get that chance, that's where I see problems start to arise between siblings mm -hmm. because the parents, it's so important that parents set the expectations with their children early and explain to their, their children, this is what I want done. So that when you get to a stage where you can't competently express that, the kids already know. They already know what mom and dad want. And it's clear. It's been written in documents that they've seen. And they can't really combat that. I want. I got to hold on to this for a second. This is music to my ears. And I wish I could just, I wish I could bang a huge gong. You know, maybe I'll <laughs> enter this in here and edit it in. But you said something that is so important to me from my perspective, doing financial planning with pre-retirees. It's this idea of wait, telling your kids or your family what you want to have done? That sounds insane. I think what we're bumping up against is some cultural differences here because we're thinking about the great generation, like my grandparents, and then a little great. bit of the baby boomer generation. And there just seems to be like a little bit of just kind of the social atmosphere around talking about your stuff is a huge challenge. It's not polite, but man, I, I feel like there's, there, I wonder, I can't help but wonder if more harm is done than good by keeping private what your wishes are. And so I think part of just my own personal opinion as John, something I want to you know, prayerfully cl have clients consider is how and when for them to start talking to their children, you know, assuming that they've got, well, whatever the age is, you know, appropriately starting to enter that into conversation. And if not, if, if maybe you're listening to this and you are the adult child in this situation and your parents haven't talked about it, maybe you could go to them. I don't know. What would you say to the people that are, let's say in their forties or fifties, they haven't yet talked to their parents that are in their seventies or eighties about this. John, that's such a good question. If I was going to advise a child in approaching their parents, first two things I'd say is absolutely be respectful mm -hmm. and respect your, your parents' privacy. hundred percent. Because, you know, when I, when I have estate planning clients come in who are talking about their estate, it's very personal for them. And especially in the older generations where privacy is very important. Yes. I have to keep in mind this balance of wanting to protect their estate down the road, but also wanting to honor their, their privacy, which is now. Mm. And parents don't have to reveal what their finances are. Maybe, so as, a, as a, a child coming to a parent, be respectful and thinking about you're not automatically entitled to this information or to yes. your parents' estate down the road. But if you're going approaching your parents with this desire to help them, say, 
you know, go to mom and dad and say, hey, look, you know, as we get older, it's hard to manage all of our assets and to keep track of everything. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. Who do you, who would you like to be in charge? And how can I help you accomplish what you want? Mm, I love that. Well said. Simple questions like that can go a long ways, but be respectful because you don't want, you don't want mom and dad feeling like you're just after their money. Oh, well said. So this makes me think of a couple of Bible verses. So I have to fill this is just to sprinkle this in a little bit. Really awesome verse. Proverbs 22 verses six, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So good. What this makes me think of, Stephen, is that this is kind of gets to this point of this early and often, you know, like we can train up a child in the way you should go. Well, that relates to lots of things. One of which could be like, what's important to our family, you know, and how we choose to manage our money, how we choose to spend it or give it away, how we choose to invest it. And maybe again, this kind of bumps into some like cultural aspects of different generations. But I, the way I'm interpreting this in this one limited context right now to say that it's okay to be able to talk about in an appropriate way what your investments or your estate wishes are with your children as they get older. And yeah, and I guess something else that I want to, my second Bible verse that I wanted to bring up here, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 11, wisdom like an inheritance is a good <laughs> thing and benefits those who see the sun. So wisdom like an inheritance. So part of my takeaway from this is first of all, wisdom I'd argue maybe a little bit more important than inheritance to pass on, but passing on an inheritance isn't inherently evil. I think like the big concern that I I hear from most people is I don't want to mess up my kids by telling them that we have this money. I don't want to mess up my kids by giving them money too early or, you know, such and such, which is totally valid and relevant. And I get that, but it's okay to give some inheritance, but it's also more important to maybe give some wisdom. You know, John, that's, that's really good advice. And I hear similar statements from my clients. Oh, I don't want my kids to know because what if I change my mind even, mm. but it's, that's where coming in early and talking about it with them can be so helpful because you're setting that expectation and you can set that expectation that they aren't necessarily entitled to everything that's in the, the parents of state. I mean, I like to talk to my clients about gifting, making a charitable donation to an organization, a, a religious institution, a school, somewhere that can give maybe a more lasting benefit to our, our culture. It's so important. So it's fun to bring up those topics. So you've hit on something else that I want to make sure we add on this conversation, which is this. So let, let's move to, you know, some of the concerns we normally hear is this. It's, it's uh, what if I change my mind or I don't want to ruin my kids? Well, you know, some thoughts that come to my mind, Stephen, that I wish I could share with people is something like, first of all, the uh, using the Bible again as a reference. Bible doesn't say that you have to split your estate equally amongst your three kids. Okay. <laughs> this is, this is right. like such a, like an Americanized, you know, Western culture sort of frame of reference. Right. And so there's lots of occasions where, you, where people have an unequal distribution an unequal distribution of their estate. And I know that doesn't sound politically correct, but that's just how it is. And I'm going to quote a line from one of my favorite authors, a guy named Ron Blue, Ronald Blue, and he's written a ton of books. And one of his one of my favorite books on this subject that he's written is called Splitting Heirs. Splitting Heirs, it's spelled H-E-I-R-S. You could look it up on Amazon. But he says, you can love equally, but treat uniquely. Love equally, but treat uniquely. And that gets to this point that maybe maybe kids don't get every dollar split evenly. And maybe even this, if you feel like you know, you're, you're older and you haven't maybe done a good job or maybe your kids have just 
their natural gifts or something different, nothing says you have to give them all of your estate, right? You could just give it to a charity or another organization, can't you? Absolutely. You can give your assets to whomever you want or wherever you want. But you know, John, that's that's a, a tough conversation to have with children, especially later on, mm. because I, I see oftentimes children have this assumption that they're automatically entitled. So that's hard, but that's where, you know, it is never too late. Certainly addressing it before you're gone, before you've before you're incapacitated or before you've died is better than waiting until after you're gone because at that point then the kids are left fighting mm. so if if nothing else if we could attempt to avoid that one risk kids fighting after we pass away about something as just trivial as some money you know in the big picture of things what a sad thing and what a huge what a huge responsibility for us to try to do something about now right and that's what estate planning, that's why it's such a blessing for families. If done right and uh, your expectations are clearly known to everyone, people can just move, they can mourn your loss instead of having to fight with one another. Mm, so I, I've seen so many siblings, their relationships are just split apart because they're focused on, well, mom and dad didn't give me this, they gave you that. Why or why not? And they don't actually get to the grieving stage of losing their last parent or mm. both parents. It's just so unfortunate. And no one really wins in that situation in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Steven, as we start to wrap up and close here, just remind us big picture, some of the most important main takeaways that you would advise clients, just a big picture about how to go about their either starting or continuing on in their estate plan. Yeah, John, you know, situations may vary from time to time, but Key important details is having trusted professionals that you can work with and help walk you through this stage in life. You know, having that financial planner that can help structure your assets so that they're growing, having a trusted estate planning attorney that you can speak with candidly about your concerns related to your own children even, and seeing what advice they have to help guide you through this process is so important. And then the next step, if you feel comfortable talking to your kids about this private situation, your, your finances, start the dialogue. You don't have to make your intentions expressly known, but just say, hey, son or daughter, you know, we've been thinking about what we want to do when we're gone. And this is what we're thinking. I just, I want to let you know now. And it's not that you're asking for their advice or their input. You're just telling them. That's awesome. Yeah. I think some of the ways that I've seen other people do this is it could be either done in, under the context of like a family meeting, you know, it's a sit down dinner or it's a barbecue and it's, yep. it's instead of, and I've also seen people do it much more one-on-one, -on -one. you know, it's like going on a walk with your child or just talking to them on the phone, talking to them on zoom, and maybe you address it uh, differently with each child. And so I feel like that, you know, I refer to it as a family conversation, but I, having that can take shape in lots of different ways. Having those family dialogues together are great because everybody mm. is witness to the same conversation. Good feedback. And then if you're not going to give an equal distribution to all your kids, have that one-on-one -on -one dialogue in a more, or have that intimate dialogue with your child so that you can explain and express why you feel the need to make an unequal distribution or why you feel like Johnny should be in charge or Alice should be the trustee instead of Johnny. Hmm. It, it's a hard conversation to have. I, it's not a conversation I would look forward to having with my children, hmm. but it's part of setting your expectations and making that known. But most importantly, 
keep in mind that you want your dialogue, your conversations to be consistent with what's in written form. And this is so helpful. I love having these conversations. So <laughs> I hope the audience out there gets a ton of value from this. Um, Steven, it's okay with you. I'll put your information in the show notes. So if people are interested, maybe they can Please. reach out to you. I would look forward to it. All right, Steven, thanks for stopping in. Hope you have a great day. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to The John Chapman Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. We encourage your questions, comments, and feedback. For additional information, check out thejohnchapmanshow.com or look for John on LinkedIn and Twitter. See you next week.